Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Amy Mann's new album, Mental Illness, which starts out with a song called Goose Snow Cone. Looking into the face of the goose snow cone Should be shaking it loose, but you do it all Every look is a truce and it's written in stone an interesting start to the album i think amy mann is a very thoughtful songwriter i guess the best way to put it um i think she's very careful and really puts a lot of attention into lyrics and her songwriting style and recording style is not to overwhelm those lyrics and yet this very first track was a case of starting from a reference that no one would get and just leaving it in the song that being the goose snow cone and nobody knows what that is well, until so, they watch the video. Well, what she explained was she was away on tour in like Sweden or Norway or something and it was really snowy and cold. Or no, Ireland maybe. and uh, Somewhere cold. Anyway, and she was feeling really homesick and so she saw a picture on Instagram of her friend's cat with a cone on his head and she thought it looked like a snow cone and so and the cat's name is goose and it made her feel really homesick because she misses the friends and she misses the cat and she said that she wrote the song with goose snow cone as a placeholder that she was going to replace with something else later and then she decided to just leave it yeah and it yeah if there's nothing better then just go with it and just realize hey it means that you know just longing for something that's far away and it's this sort of song about feeling kind of alienated and just having these great lyrics about like oh even birds of a feather find it hard to fly that like even though you have friends maybe it isn't easy to get together with them and the difficulty of finding that connection and it's very sweet and then handily goose's humans are music video directors so she was able to get goose to star in the video and also just ha- leaving a reference in there that doesn't really make sense is kind of sets you up in this record for she has talked about in interviews that, that she just wanted to kind of make the record that she felt like making. And, you know, her last record, Charmer, was great, but it was very poppy and very mainstreamy sounding and like a bigger, like more upbeat sound. And that is often what she's pressured to make because it's more popular. But this was just kind of this very stripped down very simple record that was just the record that she wanted to make. Yeah, this is first of many, many tracks that feature almost no percussion, just that kind of bell ringing mm-hmm. and lots of strings all over it. And it's very, very sweet, but also just a very kind of stripped down. And when you actually hear percussion, it's surprising. And even the, the, the sort of character studies that she does, they're often kind of 
complicated stories about someone and you know she sort of tells a story about that person and even the stories in this record are kind of stripped down and and you're just kind of given a little bit of a snippet rather than a more a more substantial narrative and that's the case on this next song that's called stuck in the past stuck in the past where i'll be pulling that lever it happens so fast and then it happens forever A lot of these songs are about sort of being stuck in ruts and not knowing how to get go out get out of them and there was an interview that I read that Amy Mann did where she said you know I think I everybody's idea when you find yourself in that rut is to think that it's about making big decisions do I do this or do I do that do I leave the job do I move to Los Angeles and the answer of course is do one small thing you got to walk yourself out one step at a time just like you walked yourself in one step at a time and I think these songs are a lot about people who don't know how to take that first step. Yeah, I I like the mixture of imagery about the past where she talks about sort of this very kind of daydreamy stuff like drawing planets on drawing rings around Saturn and then realizing oh that's just doodling on paper mm-hmm. and then this the final that we hear towards the end that we played of the, of the song where she's pulling a lever and it's just like not clear what that is but that sort of feeling of like okay i'm taking some affirmative action mm-hmm. and that it's like it happens so fast and then it happens forever that like mm-hmm. those these little moments that add up yeah and it's uh really touching and this is i know that in yet another interview she talked about how, how she's so fond of using three four time kind of this waltz mm-hmm. construction mm-hmm. and this is the first of several songs on the album where she does that and i it always sounds really natural from her but it's sort of interesting because having heard that and i only just noticed this that this song is in three four but it's a very conventional sort of like pairs and quartets of things Mm -hmm. set in three and then that first song we played gusco cone is actually completely the reverse where it's like a standard four four time but then each of the verses is three lines and the chorus is three lines and then there's three verses and three choruses mm-hmm. and so it's like even when it's not three four she still really likes that three structure and mm-hmm. it's nice i think um it's maybe a little old-fashioned but mm-hmm. she's someone who just doesn't care about what people think about that songwriting style she's like hey it works for her yeah she worked with a lot of different collaborators on this record and I think maybe that comes out of she has I think what is still an ongoing project with Ted Leo called The Both where they play together and I hope it's ongoing yeah she talks about it as if it's still a thing they put out one record and they did one tour but I think both of them have been they're very accomplished solo performers and they have very different styles and working together helped them sort of switch up their their own ruts 
And there are a lot of these songs on these record on this record where she worked with either Ted Leo or Jonathan Colton or John Roderick, who's of course my favorite songwriter, to either take a part of a song that they had written or give them a part of a song that she had written and then let them kind of take take it and do something different with it. And so I think that kind of makes this album feel a lot more varied than it would ordinarily. Yeah, and for a solo record, I I like how well her voice meshes with these backing male vocals Mm -hmm. and it never overwhelms her, but it just makes it so overwhelming. And again, that it's not a traditional loud record. It's acoustic guitar, very little drumming, but then it's just got this kind of wall of strings and vocals and it's very, it's powerful in a different way. And so we will stick with another 3-4 song and another sad story in this next track. It's called You Never Loved Me. Boy, when you go, you go 3,000 miles just so also a song that was based on a real situation and Amy Mann said in an interview quote you never loved me is based on a friend of mine who had planned to marry this guy and moved across the country to be with him and then he never showed up it was like what it was this really crazy situation yeah it's so unrelatable just because it feels fake like it doesn't feel like that happens in real life but then she's able to just sum it up so well with just that 3,000 miles to sit in a room with a vanishing groom till it undoes me till it undoes me yeah and it's yeah so heartbreaking and yet the cleverness there and that she's able to write these songs that are so dark and musically kind of a downer and yet the entire thing just doesn't collapse under its own weight is kind of a miracle and the way the the really light percussion comes in here with that little drum roll, it's so such a beautiful little touch. And then the strings also kind of yeah. come in and out. Well, lyrically, this is probably the most repetitive song because it's just that you never love me, you never mm-hmm. love me. It's just mm-hmm. over and over and over hammering it in. And it's just devastating. And yeah, th- then you have that almost like Marshall. I feel like this. Like, yeah. and you can Wait, have- how does it go? Da, 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 da. No, but it's it's a very kind of yeah. you imagine like a drum major yeah. drumming that, and it ha- gives it kind of this martial tone to an otherwise kind of melancholy piece, and it's a nice touch. Uh, I'm also a big fan. Anytime uh, the word lexicon just not used in enough pop music lyrics, and so I just love that tumbleweed lexicon just says so much with so little. I really like the phrasing in this song too, because she's kind of going all, all over these other ideas and other complaints and like problems with the relationship, but it all just keeps coming back to you never love me. And like, that's the thing that matters really. Yeah. 
And so I, after all of this kind of quiet, stringy, melancholy songs, I'm, I'm glad that we do finally have a melancholy but much more conventional pop song as we approach the midpoint of the album, and it's called Lives of Summer. Who gets hurt the most? The guys that you would call a brother Girls that loved a ghost A ghost that had a sick mother Now you're waiting for the mess to take But it takes a miracle to heal this break And now we'll all rewind and just Listen for the lies of summer We'll all rewind and just Listen for the lies If the doctor would just send this pants I put my hand up on the plexiglass Scan your face See if you're in there With a sick I gotta write this down Cause once it puts you in a paper As I said, this is the first more traditional pop song. Still no electric guitar, but we've got drums and piano, and so it's a much punchier sound. And kind of appropriate with that punchier sound is using summer in the song title and lyrics so prominently, and I think that's usually representing kind of positive, warm, happy feelings, and then it's the lies of summer, which just turns it on its head, and it's so kind of as melancholy as fits the rest of the album just this idea of like rewinding and just listening for these things that you believe these that the the promise of that warmth and happiness was lies yeah i think she yeah she's i think she talked about this in the same interview about the you never love me person where you know she was saying that this song is kind of about finding out that someone is like a sociopath or has done something really crazy and is maybe kind of mentally ill. And then like looking, looking back and seeing all the things that they did that seemed like weird at the time. And now it all makes sense. You know, we'll all rewind and just listen for the lies of summer. And so it's like kind of playing the tape back in your head. But I love how this song sounds really cinematic. And I, I think it's the piano combined with the strings, but especially the bridge there sounds like it's a movie soundtrack. And it reminds me that, you know, of course, her husband, Michael Penn, put out one of my favorite records probably of the last 30 years called March. And it has a song called Even Fall on it that I was just playing uh, that no one remembers but me probably. But now he's mostly known as a film composer. And of course, Amy Mann herself often jokingly includes in her bios that she's an Oscar loser because she was nominated for an Academy Award for the soundtrack to Magnolia. Yeah, I think she had Best Original Song also. Yeah, Save Me. And of course, Lost, I think, to Phil Collins. So Which there is, you go. Yeah. There's just There's justice in this world. <laughs> so sad. But anyway, yeah, it's there's a lot of kind of Hollywood on this record. Yeah, and so certainly this song is really, you know, punchy, sad, and wonderful and i think is the first of i think a series of very cinematic songs kind of in the middle section of this of the album because there's this song that i think was co-written by jonathan colton Mm -hmm. no this one was not one of the ones but the next one is one of the jonathan colton rewritten 
sorry, Jonathan Colton co-written songs. And this is one where she had had part of it written and then she just, and she, and it was in that waltz time that she's so familiar to her. And so she turned it over to Jonathan Colton who changed a lot, including the beat. Yeah. And the end result is pretty great. It's called Patient Zero. Hip, hip, hooray, hocus, pocus. With some magic you can fly through the air. just to get out of the way here that everyone should just go and listen to the song exploder podcast episode on this song because it's really interesting i think they do better justice to us than we can and so i'll refrain from my usual tendency to try and dig in because again it's they already did but i can talk you know just about what the song feels like and it's such a great kind of hollywood story in three acts where it's like you know guy shows up to hollywood has promise looks has a promising career and feels really hopeful but just we hear that section of like in the in you can almost touch the lights of the canyon and it's like you can almost touch it's like Mm -hmm. that's that the success that you want in hollywood is actually a mirage Mm -hmm. and well and then it ends with the villain like getting the next big part and like his career isn't turning out the way that he hoped yeah and that you have to pretend like oh i i i I, i'm not competitive but yeah it has that great line he paid paid respects like a ransom it's just epic but what i like about it is that it's not just about hollywood it's about our everyone's tendency to tell the story of their life as a narrative of like overcoming adversity and succeeding in the end the chorus has that great line about life is grand and wouldn't you like to have it go as planned and just that things don't often turn out the way that you want or expect yeah you know also the chorus had that presumption of like oh you are you're you're in the right neighborhood but you just moved in mm-hmm. it's just like yeah you don't you don't understand even what's happening you're just mm-hmm. making the best of it and you might fly through the air you might get the screen test and it all comes to naught in the end what a feel-good song but it's so pretty and i think interestingly the backing vocals on most of this album are just very kind of indistinct more just kind of a wall of sound and here they're very much more distinct i think this is jonathan colton yeah, doing the vocals it's, yeah it's funny because i knew that those at least jonathan colton and ted leo did 
both backing vocals and I know both of their voices very well, but it was still hard to tell because they're so quiet in the background. And then there's also female backing vocals. And, well, here she's, and, and, and on this song, she's also her backing or, herself. Well, uh, yeah, I, which is, well, I was going to say, I don't know if it's her or a female backing vocal, but I, since that person's not credited, I assume it's her, but but yeah, like this one in, in particular, there's the kind of distinct Jonathan Colton backing vo- vocal, and then it switches to female, like halfway through the verse. Yeah, which is interesting. No, and I and I do like that she's kind of fleshing out herself. So she and it's there's just some stereo separation. So she's singing kind of in the middle, but then also a little bit off to the right, like, mm-hmm. and it's just it's again very cinematic. Yeah, and it her voice just has so much character, and it's not what you would call like a beautiful voice, but it's so interesting to listen to and. We saw Ockerville River at the chapel the other the other night, and you know they're one of my favorite bands. And I was just we were talking about how Will Chef has a voice that's not necessarily like I wouldn't call it a good voice. I mean it's it's a good voice, but it's not classically good. But it's just has a ton of character, and it's kind of rough, and it's very distinctive. And I think I feel the same way about Amy Mann. Her voice is just has so much character. It has a lot of character. I think she is formally a lot stronger. I yeah. Don't, I don't get the sense of like, ooh, she's getting a little pitchy. No, like, I yeah, always no, feel like no, she's no, no. right down yeah. the middle. And I've terms. seen her play live several times and she's, she, she it's not studio like correction. She has a really For great sure not. Voice, very yeah. talented. And so from this very kind of uh, cinematic, we go to a, a more stripped down, but another Jonathan Colton rewritten song. It's called Good For Me. What a waste of a smoke machine. Took the taste of the dopamine and left me high and dry. Call the cops, call the cavalry. Spin the tops that'll dazzle me and give me a new supply. There's a layer below underneath all the layers that I knew. So this as being more stripped down and then i listened to it again and my memory was totally wrong because in fact it's pretty epic the entire last minute of this song is just good for me with this like piano and strings and then the drums come in after being absent for the rest of the song Mm. and then at the beginning there's just this maybe not the most original but a most a very originally told take on the sort of bad relationship as drug addiction kind of like i'm like it hurts when you go and it's like withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. for, for someone it's like oh that means it's good to be with you and like no that means it's bad mm-hmm. and and then combined with the fact that she um in that little bit we heard at the end of what we played where she really pushes her voice high and like yeah she's maybe pushing it about as far as it can go but it's really sounds cool and dramatic and 
I just think this is a really pretty song. There's nice touches. I like how it opens with that piano Mm -hmm. and then just abruptly changes key right as it goes in the first verse. Mm -hmm. So it just Mm -hmm. sets you Mm kind of on edge to begin with. Mm -hmm. And and so I, even though it's, I, I, you know, thematically, maybe not as rich, but I just think sonically, it's actually a really satisfying song. Yeah. And the way that it starts out with just that piano and it's so simple. And, you know, one of the things I think you can say about this record is you can layer on a lot of other things and make a song sound good. But when it's this stripped down and the vocals are so much at the front, you, you're not really hiding anything. And, yeah. and like, if it's a good melody, it's a good melody. And, yeah. and it just shows what a powerful songwriter she is. I mean, there's certainly a a fair bit of layering, but it's absolutely unnecessary. Every song or damn near every song has an opportunity. to just like, no, let's just hear the basics of this. And this is great. Oh, it's also great with all this other stuff that I'm coordinating. You know, I'm a sucker for just weird structural things. I love how they're sort of uh, a couple of verses before the first chorus and then three verses before the second chorus. And these little bits of things that aren't just regular, but are kind of mixing it up. And it's, you know, not the most structurally (laughs) audacious, but it's I like the little touches where it's not just the same thing over and over again. And so. So the next song we'll play is actually the last track on the album, and it's called Poor Judge. Falling for you was a last-ditch plan You sized me up with your thumb on the scale I came up short, but you do what you can The hammer's nothing without the As I mentioned, John Roderick of The Long Winters is my all-time favorite songwriter, and I love the fact that he often writes about bad relationships, but in a way that's both funny and just has these beautiful turns of phrase that are so concise. And so when I, I knew that he had worked with her on at least one of the songs on this record, and when I heard the song, I thought this has to be it, and it, and it was. And it's got so many great little snippets in it of you know somebody being an apologist for somebody else who's obviously like the villain in the relationship and I just love the verse that we played here which is you size me up with your thumb on the scale I came up short but you do what you can the hammer's nothing without the nail and then the sort of bridge throughout is you might have had some other reason to leave me in a dark ravine or to lead me to the guillotine. And it's always like, oh, well, you know, you did something really horrible, but I, I'm sure there was some reason for it, you know. <laughs> and then and then the killer, like, end that it comes back to is I can see your light on calling me back to make the same mistake again. And, you know, just kind of coming full circle to this album being about people who are stuck in a rut and can't get out of the situations that they're in. And it's like, this is the perfect example. Like, you're in a bad relationship with someone who treats you badly, but you're just going to come back and keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, it's it's really moving. And I, and it's, as you said, this, the lyrics are very strong, as you wouldn't 
be surprised to hear from these two songwriters working together. And the instrumentation is the most stripped down on the record. It's piano and strings. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the least rock sound. Mm -hmm. And it's really effective. And yeah, there's so much stuff like a dream of the break of a car with the brake lines cut these mm-hmm. just these different sorts of really dark imagery mm-hmm. and then it's matched with you know really simple instrumentation really interesting lyrics and then structurally because you described there's a bridge and like i thought was that part of the chorus because yeah. then there's like these two different bridges that kind of trade off and yeah, one after another and then yeah. we come back to that about that i can see the light on and then just uh, say when no and you ask me say when you, when you ask me yeah. and, and and also i think john roderick is the only person who would use surplus government chairs as a phrase in a song lyric surplus government chairs are great mm-hmm. uh i've yeah surplus government furniture i've bought it's really awesome but yeah so th- this album you know and so we were playing this last song just before the end of the podcast just so we can talk about it because it's such an interesting way to finish the album but the entire album is just I was surprised like it's so kind of quiet which is not usually my thing and it's so kind of melancholy throughout and I think Amy Mann has such a gift as a songwriter to take the melancholy but still and not shy away from it but the songs are still listenable and don't leave you super depressed at the end and I think that's a really remarkable gift as a songwriter and so to have this more stripped down personal statement is really a gift to us. Yeah she's a national treasure. So we're going to go out on the penultimate song, which is called Simple Fix. And we've been discussing Mental Illness by Amy Mann. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks for listening. 